0: my subject today I want to preach about sons and daughters today sons and daughters I don't have a a acute title I have a burden I don't know how you and your family respond to things that happened like what happened this past week when, a 17, when 17 people were killed at the hands of a 19-year-old, warped, troubled, demon-possessed. I don't mean that in some hopeless way. I mean I really believe the boy is full of the devil. I don't know how you respond to that. But I can't just ignore that on a Sunday after. Because my heart is heavy. Florida's not too far from here. And I think about, this was not, this was not in some troubled neighborhood. This was in an affluent neighborhood. Which forces us to understand that the devil is no respect. Of a zip code he'll go to work anywhere and in all these places we need a real witness of the person of Jesus and my heart has been heavy I knew I was going to preach on son and daughters today but I did not know that I would deliver this message with the backdrop of pain and horror that had been painted this week in our nation As we saw this horrific tragedy happen in Parkland, Florida. But as I watched it unfold on the news stations, I was even more certain in my spirit that this word that God has given me is for today and this thing that I'm going to call this church to do is for this hour. I want you to go to Acts chapter 2 and I want us to read... A little more scripture than we are accustomed to reading but I want to begin with verse 1 and I want us to read through verse 18 which is quite a bit of scripture but if they can stand to clap for the president we can stand for the word and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven or divided tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews and devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled and said one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and in Egypt and the parts of Libya about Cyrene Strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. They were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, What does this mean? Others were mocking and said, These men are full of new wine. <laughs> they didn't even know the half of it, amen. But Peter stood up with the eleven and lifted his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose being it but the third hour of the day or 9 a.m. in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Mm, Say that with me. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Say that with me. Say, my sons. Say, my sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. And on my servants and handmaidens I will pour out in those days my spirit and they shall prophesy. Help me today God. Help our nation. If we've ever needed Jesus before we need him now. I pray for a cleansing to come today. I pray for a a breakthrough to happen in someone's heart and mind. I pray for a freedom to preach and to teach the word. I pray you will help us to seize a moment that could be lost. And I pray we would not lose it with apathy and complacency. But we would rise to an occasion that our generation is hoping and praying we will rise to. Father, forgive us for being more interested in how popular we are in social media than we are in our prayer closet. Forgive us for being hungry or for the acclaim and the praises of men than for the approval of God. Forgive us for tearless eyes. Forgive us, Lord, that our quiet time has been too quiet lately. Lord, let us cry out again. I pray, Lord, you'll hear our hearts and our voices today and save our, cha- our nation, save our children. God, save us. I pray you'll give us authority. Lord, God, authority and power on this earth, Father God, to overthrow the works of darkness, and God, give us love. Love that will bind up the wounds of a generation whose many of them, their hearts are broken. I pray they will not harden their hearts, but we will see a breakthrough and we will see love conquer every dark thing in this generation. Help us to do this today, God. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. And everyone say it. Amen. If you have been in a Pentecostal church at all, spirit-filled place at all for any length of time. Acts 2 is not a strange or unfamiliar text to you. Acts 2 is the birth of the New Testament church. I believe it is the most transitional chapter in the entire Bible. I know that's a loaded statement. But in Acts chapter 2, something that the earth has waited on forever is finally coming to pass. The bride has been born. The people of God have come. The church has been inaugurated. Acts chapter 2 is a gathering of the Jewish people together for the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost. It is one of the annual seven feasts. And so they would come to Jerusalem and they would celebrate this Feast of the Lord with special offerings and special celebration and so they have come to Jerusalem in Acts 2 and they have come from all over and now they are here to celebrate Pentecost and during this feast of Pentecost and Pentecost means 50, 50 days after Passover, this feast of Pentecost would be inaugurated and you may hear me say sometimes or hear persons in our fellowship say we are a Pentecostal church. This, just this past week, somebody, I was getting my car washed, and somebody said to me, are you a preacher? I said, why? <laughs> I need to know before I answer this question what kind of person you are. Yes, I'm a preacher. And they said, you are one of them Pentecostal preachers. I said, how did you know that? She said, because you sound like a Pentecostal preacher. I said, how does a Pentecostal preacher sound? She said, there's this raspy thing. She said, I'm just telling you what she said. She said, you don't sound like no Baptist preacher. You sound like a Pentecostal preacher. You're sitting in a Pentecostal church. When someone says what does it mean to be a Pentecostal church, what we are saying is that we are a church who as a people believe we continually experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was started on the day of Pentecost here in Acts 2. Let me help you understand something. Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is a movement. So when somebody says you're part of a Pentecostal church, we're not talking about a denomination. We are talking about a group of people who believe that the spirit of the living God is still being poured out today as it was being poured out in Acts chapter 2. That it's not a different God, a different Jesus, a different Holy Ghost. This is the same God being poured out in the earth. And we believe in the continual perpetual outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's why... The apostle said, this promise of the Holy Spirit's pouring out is for you, your children, your children's children, as many as are far off and as many as the Lord our God shall call. What Peter was saying is, as long as the earth remains, there will be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful to report to you, you will never wake up on a Sunday and come to church and not find the Holy Ghost alive and well. He will always be alive and well and being poured out among a hungry people. I would not belong to a place that did not believe in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This church doesn't, this, this, this nation doesn't need less God. The nation needs more of God. If you think we got problems now, imagine where the world would be without a tongue-talking, Bible-believing, fired-up group of people who believe the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, the devil is defeated, and God is on the throne. We got to, we got to keep the fire burning. Look at your neighbor and tell them, keep the fire burning. When the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, there are three things briefly I want to... I want to acquaint you with and then I got one little thing to say and then I'm going to shift gears. I got something to do before I leave today. Number one, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 was filled with demonstration. I want you to understand that it is impossible. It is mutually exclusive. You cannot have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and everybody be sitting in the house looking like nothing has happened. I'm going to say some things right here. I am sick of this domesticated presentation of Pentecost it is more predictable than we want to give it credit for we know what's going to happen before it happens is because we don't consult God we do not inquire of God if god were to show up in most of our churches 95% of what happens if it, it would blow our mind if god left the church because 95% of what happens would continue to go on because we have learned how to make church professional we have learned how to produce church we have learned how to how to how to make it this cute thing and I want to tell you right now, while I believe in planning and I believe in excellence and I believe you ought to be prepared, I also want to tell you that when you wake up in the morning, you and I are not God. God still has plans. He's got a purpose and an agenda. And at times, he will shift our plans to accommodate his will. And what he's looking for on the earth is a people who will say, yes, Lord, yes to your will, yes to your ways. There will be a demonstration. You say, I don't know about this demonstration stuff. It's because our flesh and our controlling spirits. When the fire shows up, you're not in control anymore. When the wind starts blowing, you're not in control anymore. When people start talking in tongues that they were not taught to speak, I'm telling you what God is trying to show us is that the supernatural outpouring of the Holy Ghost is very real and it will be accompanied by divine, holy manifestations. I don't want none of that, preacher. Then you don't want the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But when the Holy Ghost is poured out, I have found that people who said things like, I don't believe in that, I don't want none of that, you come back here and pray for me, I'll get my things together and run to the car. First of all, I don't chase nobody down. Secondly, why would you run from the greatest thing that God could ever give you? The Holy Ghost is not a boogeyman. He does not scare people. He does not frighten you. He does not run the law. Lo- Listen, let me fix something. There are people who say, well, if you if you let the Holy Ghost be poured out, then you'll run off the harvest. That's foolishness. You might lose some people who are part of an uninterested crowd, but you will never run lost people off with a divine, holy, authentic manifestation of the presence of God. How do I know that? Because the Holy Ghost never runs the harvest off. It is the Holy Ghost that brings the harvest in. Miracles, authentic miracles never freaked anybody out. When blind eyes open, lost people stop saying Jesus is not real and they start saying, my God, what must I do to be saved? We don't need less of God. We need more of God. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost is filled with divine demonstration. Not only is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost filled with demonstration, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost came in the fullness of time. Say the fullness of time. In fact, the text says that this outpouring came suddenly. Somebody say suddenly. Suddenly's happen when you think God forgot something. Oh yes. Suddenly's happen when you think God forgot something and you begin to think maybe He's not going to do what he said. So you just start walking through life as normal. And you start doing church as normal. But then you get in a place on a Sunday morning and you get intercepted by a divine strategy and plan of God and suddenly your prayer meeting turns into an outpouring suddenly sick people get healed suddenly blind people can see suddenly religious spirits start to run, suddenly the glory breaks out, suddenly the kingdom starts being advanced, suddenly people who were not interested in Jesus get saved, why? Because when God has a divine time and a kairos moment I don't care how long it's been dry I don't care how long you prayed and nothing happens, when God says this is my divine moment hell cannot stop it, fire cannot quench it. The devil can't put it out. If God ever makes up his mind to move it will happen in the fullness of time. And when God says something it will happen. Not only was this outpouring of not only did it come in the fullness of time not only was it filled with demonstration finally the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was a fulfillment of prophecy. You understand that what, let me break this down and teach this for a moment. What happened in Acts chapter 2, listen to me family, what happened in Acts chapter 2 was not a surprise to anybody who has been reading the Bible. Because 850 years before Acts chapter 2, there was a prophet named Joel who stood up in the middle of a great, a great attack. You understand that locusts had come and destroyed everything that the people of God had. The Bible said that the locusts came in and destroyed the tree. It ate the root, it ate the bark, it ate the fruit, it ate the leaves, it ate everything. That's why Joel said that there's a day coming in the future. There's a moment coming. He said, oh hallelujah, I feel the anointing now. He said, I see a day coming in the future with what the uh, what the caterpillar and the palmer worm and the canker worm and the locusts have devoured. He said I see that beat up, mangled destroyed devastated tree I see it out there in a field and I see rain falling on that tree and what it took years for the locust and the caterpillar and the palmer worm and the canker worm to destroy that tree is gonna get rained on and when the rain falls from heaven on that tree everything that was stolen will be restored I want to tell you this morning that your life can feel broke, busted, and disgusted. They may have drugged you in, and you're not feeling like you wanted to be here, having no hope and wondering where God is. But baby, when God gets ready to bless you, and God gets ready to rain on you, I don't care how drungo I don't care how dry your spirit is. When it gets ready to rain, he'll. He'll baptize you in deliverance from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. somebody in here. You need more than religion. You need more than a 30 minute cute sermonette. You need more than some deaconette smoking a cigarette, driving a Corvette to the dinette teaching you a sermonette. You need a word from Almighty God. And I came to I came to tell somebody we're living in a prophetic moment and I don't care what God got to do to break you out. He's getting ready to rain on your field and what has been lost will be restored. Slap your neighbor, holler at your neighbor, yell in the air, and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, it's getting ready to rain. Somebody say, rain on me. Take your under umbrella down. I can't feel nothing. Take your religious umbrella down. Quit criticizing people who do something different than you. Quit criticizing people who don't sing songs that you sing. Stop with your hateful attitude and your religious spirit. No wonder you can't feel the rain. You're blaming everybody, mad at everybody, tore up on everybody. I'm come to Mosiah. I came to tell somebody today, it's raining in here. If you can't feel it, ask God to let you feel it. He'll soak you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. 850 years before Acts 2, a prophet named Joel said that I see a day coming when the rain will begin to fall. Now, watch what he says in Joel 2. He said, And afterward, God saying through the prophet Joel, Afterward, I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams my servants and handmaidens I'll pour out my spirit and then he winds it up one more time and reminds them that everyone shall prophesy this is the will of God not for your preacher just to be the only prophesying (laughs) Moses said I would to God that all his people would prophesy now I want to put a couple of things together today and then I'm going to get out your way. The first thing I want you to see is that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Look carefully, please, at Acts 2 when Peter stands up. There are a group of people who do not know what is happening. There's a group of people who say, they say these men are mad. There's another group of people say these men are drunk. When's the last time something happened in church that left people wondering? Uh, You know what? I don't mind questions. In fact, I enjoy getting questions. Why did she do that? Why in the world is she hollering like that? You ever sat beside somebody who ain't never been in nothing like this before? Everybody listen. I want everybody to understand something. We are normal people having a supernatural experience. I like football. I eat Mexican. I like mowing my grass. I like swimming in my backyard. Why are you saying all this, Pastor? Because I'm not weird. People who think, you watch people who shout and speak in tongues and holler and roll in the floor and dance and run aisles and you think them people are so crazy. You don't think that when you go to a football game. I guarantee you. In fact, some of you people who tell me I'm so reserved, you know, I'm just very quiet. I guarantee you the devil is a lie. You let your favorite team score and you will come out of your skin. Have a nearly spiritual experience. And then you come to church and get your, get your praise police baton out and the WBI, the Worship Bureau of Investigation, trying to check everybody out to see who's in the flesh. You don't even know what the flesh is. I'm so sick and tired of coming to church and knowing what's going to happen before we get there I believe we ought to come to church so hungry that when God sends a river We say God where's the deep end of this thing? My God I want it. I want more Joel 2 was the prophecy When it happened in Acts chapter 2, listen carefully they began to say these men are crazy some said these mock knocked and said these men are drunk this is what it looked like when the world that was waiting on the birth of the church you ready? thousands of years of waiting for the church to come on the scene and what does she look like when she shows up? a bunch of drunk people I mean, you would think if you were God and you were ready for a, wow, a great introduction, you would, let them, you would let it show up in pristine educational perfection. Decked out in all the garb and full of all the regalia, but not God. God says let them stumble out the door looking like they got liquored up last night. I didn't make this up. The Bible said it. THE BIBLE SAID THEY DECLARED THESE MEN ARE DRUNK. WHY? BECAUSE THEY LOOK DRUNK. AND PETER STOOD BEFORE THE MEN AND THE WOMEN THERE AND SAID, LET ME CLEAR UP THE MATTER. THESE FOLK ARE NOT DRUNK AS YOU SUPPOSE. IN FACT, WHO WOULD GET DRUNK AT 9 A.M. IN THE MORNING? COME ON, YOU DRUNK PEOPLE OR YOU EX DRUNK PEOPLE. I hope they ain't no drunk people. My God, let me preach. I'm prophesying. How many ex-alcoholics do I have in here? Come on, lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. How many ex-alcoholics do I have in here? Praise God for grace. Amen. How many would agree with me, and I've never been an alcoholic, and I'm thankful for it, but I'm I'm, I'm just surmising here that nobody got drunk at 9 a.m. in the morning. Most people, some of you are like, well, I kind of (laughs) did. Thank God for grace. (laughs) Hallelujah. How many normal drunks can attest to the fact that you didn't get drunk at 9 a.m. in the morning? You got drunk at night, right? Come on, somebody. The point is, these men were not drunk. It wasn't even at the time of day for drinking. So what is it? Why are they stumbling around and why are they walking under the influence of a power and a glory? What, what is up with these men? Peter said, I know what it is. I've been studying the Old Testament. I'm a scholar in the Old Word here. I've been walking with Jesus and I know what Joel said in Joel chapter 2 and what we're seeing. This is what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. What we're seeing happen right here on the day of Pentecost was prophesied 850 years ago by a man named Joel who said these words, it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and daughters shall prophesy in these last days here's what happened don't miss it when the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts 2 it began a period of time that is still occurring right now it's called the last days don't miss this you say pastor how in the world can it be the last days and it's 2000 years since Jesus since since Pentecost and Jesus was resurrected? How could it be that we are living in the last days? We've been living here 2000 years. That's a long time. If you want the answer for that, you got to go to 2nd Peter chapter 3 where Peter says that God is not slack concerning the promise of his return. I'm in 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 8 and 9. The Bible said that Peter declared these words God is not slack concerning his promise to return he's coming back but there's a reason he hasn't come yet and the people that are scoffing at the church saying where is he where's the sign of his coming you keep telling us he's coming where is Jesus I want to tell you where he is he hasn't come yet because he's waiting on your dry hide to get born again it is the mercy of the yes I said it there are some media moguls that mock him Sister Joy and all the sisters on The View, I want to tell you on Sunday morning, not only do I talk to Jesus, but this morning he talked to me. Wow! I heard his voice, and I know he is alive. And they say, where is the sign of his coming? And I'll tell you why he hasn't come yet. Number one, he has a different way of measuring time. We look at all these thousands of years, 2,000 years since the promise, and we say, well, where is he at? It's taken him a long time, 2,000 years. The problem is that one day with the Lord is as 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years is as one day. So what seems like thousands of years to us has really been two days to God. That ain't a long time. The second reason Jesus hasn't come yet is not only does he measure time differently, he's made himself a promise. He's going to leave the door open to the ark as long as he can. He's not willing that any man or woman should perish but that all should come to repentance. Why hasn't oh why hasn't Jesus returned yet? Because he loves people. The moment he comes, it will be like the moment when Noah was in the ark and God shut the door of the ark and no one got in and no one got out. I'll tell you today, you should not mock at the mercy of the Lord. You should fall down and you should say, God, thank you for another day of mercy. If you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you and I from all unrighteousness. There's two reasons why Jesus hasn't come. Number one, he doesn't measure time like us. Number two, he's made himself a promise. He's going to wait as long as he can. Why is he waiting, Pastor? Because he wants people to get in the ship. If you're lost and you're undone without Christ today in this room, today is the greatest gift you've ever had in your life. Why? Because today is the day of salvation. And here's the point. The point is this, that when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, it began a period of time that still occurs up until this moment that we're living in now, and it it's called the last days. Everyone say the last days. Amen. Oh, that sounds so spooky, the last days. What does it mean? It simply means get your stuff together. Amen. Quit acting like you got all kind of time. The most important thing on the the calendar of God right now is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He's gathering. And in this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, in these last days, I saw something several weeks ago that I felt like God would have me say this morning and then this week I, I watched in horror as we learned that 17 beautiful people their life taken from them prematurely now there's some jacked up theology floating around in the world that tells you everything that happens is God's will that's garbage it's not God's will man has a will, and man often refuses to accept responsibility for the error and the choices of his ways this young man 19 years old adopted as a child who had to live through his father dying of a heart attack and several months ago his mother died of the flu and complications with it he was troubled over a relationship and the gravest part about this is it seems that he was reaching out for some kind of attention I want you to hear me clearly tell you today there is no excuse for what happened this past week. None of those things that I just mentioned should be blamed on this young man taking an AR rifle into a school and murdering 17 precious people. But I am bothered by the fact that oftentimes we are so busy, so consumed that we don't hear the cry of those who are needing help. You don't have to clap. There's a real mean spirit floating around. And listen to me, I want you to hear me clearly. There's no excuse for what happened, but we should learn from some things that happened. If you don't take personal inventory after something like that and say, is there anything I could do? Well, that's in Parkland, Florida might I remind you that we are surrounded by high schools and middle schools and troubled babies who are just looking for some love sometimes. Why would Satan be targeting all these schools? Is it me? Or is there an increase of attack against sons and daughters? Why? Would Satan turn our schoolhouses into war zones? I'll tell you why. Because he's nervous of the prophetic destiny that has already been pronounced over a generation that is on the earth in a period of time called the last days. He doesn't even know who or what they look like. He just knows this, like Moses I gotta find them before they grow up and become who God called them to be. So I'm gonna try to kill them when they're a child, like Jesus. I gotta find him before he grows up and heals the sick, raises the dead. I gotta kill him before he becomes a grown man and walks into his purpose. There is a reason why the devil is entering the minds of troubled people, walking onto the property of our sons and daughters, and trying to destroy a generation. And here is the reason: because your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Not only will they prophesy, the Bible said they will see visions. The Lord said to me, it is a saying and a seeing generation. They're going to say things and see things. And because of the prophetic voice and the prophetic eye that God has placed on a young generation... You say, Pastor, I just don't know if that generation has their act together and they don't have all their theological ducks in a row. Do you think God cares? Do you seriously think God cares that they haven't run to school and and, and attained their PhD yet? They don't even care. What they know, listen, what this generation knows is passion. What they know is reckless abandon. What they know is that when they get their mind made up to do something, they see things no other generation can see. Stop telling me that all young people are lazy. They are not. My, 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 my Jeremiah and Isaiah and Zion and Judah, they see things in the world very differently than I do. They say things very differently than I do. Isaiah go up in his room sometimes and I hear him singing. And it doesn't sound like I sing. You know me. Just a little while to stay here. I sing all the old stuff. I listen to him up there, he's like. No, no, not today, not today not today devil (laughs) in fact Isaiah's been writing songs so they're rap songs so I'm like I can't wait to hear it son He puts it on. And I'm like, bro. Yo. That's what he says. Yo, dude. Remember Nemo? <laughs> Turtle man. Offspring jelly man. Never mind, never mind. Okay. Back, Wallace, back. Focus. He's like, yo. Dad, listen to this song. So he puts it on. And it's like got this different beat. And there's no organ. And I'm like, how can God move without an organ? And the beat drops. When the night comes on, I'm going to keep on singing. God got me in his arms. I'm swinging. He gave me life. I'm going to keep on living. What's the next line? He paid my price. I'm going to keep on giving. They're a sane generation. That's why Satan wants to kill them. Because they got a word in them they don't even know they got. They see stuff they don't even know other people aren't seeing. Your sons and daughters, our sons and daughters are not just a weird, different generation. They are wired for the moment they are living in. You and I went to church because of denominational loyalty growing up. They go to church to see if you're making a difference in the neighborhood you're planted in. because they don't care about your little doctrinal statement. Doctrine is important, but what they want to see is the body of Christ change the world. They're tired of our hypocrisy. They're going to prophesy. You say, Brother Wallace, do you believe this? Yes, in Luke, Jesus goes into a town called Nain. A woman is carrying out her dead son. There's a crowd of mourners walking with a woman and a crowd of people walking with Jesus and there is a collision at the gate of name between two crowds. Jesus touched his coffin and they got up. The boy got up and here's what the Bible says when he got up, he immediately began to speak. Which tells me why the devil killed him in the first place. He doesn't want you to speak, sons and daughters. He doesn't want you to say it. He doesn't want you to declare things over your generation. He doesn't want you to speak life in the midst of a valley of dry bones. He doesn't want you to speak blessing when all your other friends are speaking a curse. Okay, thank you, Holy Ghost. That's why the Lord told me early this morning, you better tell them to watch what they put in their earphones. You cannot speak life listening to death, and I'm sorry, but Jay-Z and Eminem and all them crazy Uh fools. you're about to get old fashioned bishop right here. You can't listen to the devil, his crowd, and his message and run with the Holy Ghost and speak life. You got to make up in your mind, though none go with me, still I will follow. How are you going to treat a woman right and you listen to somebody talk about how she is a piece of trash? The devil is a liar. Come out from among the world. Oh, God. Jay-Z is not your daddy. Eminem is not your daddy. Snoop Doggy Dogg is not your daddy. Your spiritual mother and father have prayed over your soul, and we believe God has a purpose for your life. Say amen. My God, church, we're not here to shout and take up space. We're here to raise up a generation that walk into the very courts of hell and tell the devil, let my generation go. Well, I'm mad now. I want you to hear me. There's a reason why this generation's under an attack. It's because you've got a prophetic destiny to speak life. And not only will you speak life in this church, you're gonna speak it in your school. You're gonna speak it in your neighborhood telling you right now, sons and daughters. This business of Sunday morning Christianity only is over. That kind of domesticated Christianity ain't going to change nobody you know. What's going to change them is when they walk back... Around you next week and you don't cuss like they cuss and holler like they holler and snort a line of cocaine like they snort a line and walk on hot heart and when they start looking at you say man come on man don't you want to do this no not anymore why because all night long I've been messed up I couldn't sleep last night why couldn't you sleep because angels visited me in the night and something woke me up and told me he had a purpose for my life my god I'm telling you this thing is real You can condemn sons and daughters for where they run to all you want, but until you speak life over them, I will not be part of the problem. I don't care, I wear a suit and tie, and I'm thankful I got a suit and tie. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm going to I'm going to spend my whole life learning how to relate to younger people who don't know all that I know in God. And my heart, my heart is going to be watched to show them what I found out, and for me to learn what God has showed them that I haven't seen. So sometimes we get in the car and we don't listen to the Gaithers. Sometimes we listen to Young Zay. Who is Young Zay? Isaiah Wallace. He got a CD coming. Sometimes I turn my hat sideways and get a gold chain with him. Put on some joggers at a camo come on somebody <laughs> wow that's you crazy no i'm sick of the church standing up on sunday mornings after hell breaks loose in our nation and all they're going to do is scream at young people and tell them how evil they are you don't have to say amen but i'm gonna tell you right now we have no permission to rebuke what we have not invested in Because you can't correct somebody you don't have a relationship with. That, that ain't correction. That's punishment and pain. Yeah. Yeah. Sons and daughters will prophesy young men will see visions. They're going to see things differently. They're going to say things that we, don't, we wouldn't say. They're going to reach up in the atmosphere and grab a phrase from the Holy Ghost and just begin to declare it and it changed a whole generation. Like, uh, this is how we fight our battles. You know, that wasn't written by some sweet old saint. It was written by a group of teenagers in a prayer meeting who just reached up prophetically and grabbed a phrase out of the spirit, started declaring, this is how we fight our battles. And then last week, we just blow up singing it for like 40 straight hours. As painful as it was for me to watch, and I'm rounding up, as painful as it was for me to watch what happened this past week in Parkland, Florida. And it was painful, and I wept tears. But I walked away saying, I'm more convinced now, Rick Smith, than ever before. The devil is scared to death. Pastor Josh, Pastor Quintel, the devil is scared to death. That's why he possesses the mind of a troubled 19-year-old boy and tells him he's a murderer and a gunslinger and he runs into school like a coward and kills 17 precious souls. Why? With one young man, an entire nation felt a grip of fear. And I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. If Satan can use one troubled mind to stir up a a fear in an entire nation, then I just believe God is about to turn the horn upside down over one his name is David I don't know where he is right now he's on the backside of his daddy's sheep field handling some sheep but God's about to call him into the palace because God's getting ready to anoint a young man and a young woman if one young man can turn an entire nation to fear then one Holy Ghost filled young man or young lady can walk to the forefront of a generation that is confused and has lost their way my God, I believe that God is getting ready to put a stone and a sling in the hand of a young man and a young woman and they won't need my armor and they won't need Saul's armor. They know how to do battle in the name of in the name of the Lord. Giants are going to fall in this generation somebody shout with me giants are going to fall somebody praise God with me giants are going to fall all it takes is one when David slayed Goliath it wasn't that he fought every single one he killed one giant and the rest of Israel said blessed Lord if that young boy can kill that Goliath, pull my sword out, devil. If it's a fight you won't, it's a fight you've got. And they ran the Philistines off the land and God gave victory to an entire nation because of one boy. And here's what I came to tell you. I believe the Lord is asking us to be a church that will take this generation in And we'll love them. And we'll lay our hands on them. And we will bless them. And we will accept the prophecy. And we will accept their visions. We will have to pastor them. We'll have to love them. But we'll build relationship with them. And we'll let them know. You don't have to run to a crack house to find hope. You don't have to run to a whorehouse to find a mother or father. I take and accept and I really do take seriously my role as a spiritual father of this house. I mean that. It drives me to my knees daily. But I'm not the only spiritual father in this house. This needs to be a fathering and a mothering house. And there are some people who talk in tongues that either need to accept their role as a father and a mother in the kingdom or stay quiet because your hypocrisy is slowing down our credibility. They don't want to see us speak in tongues and fall out but not care about them when they're broken. Gangbangers are gangbangers because they're looking for a place to love them. I believe it's harvest time. Amen. Yes. And the Lord's been good to us here. Play something soft, Brian. I'm through, bud. The Lord's been really good to us. And over the last 11 months, God's helped us to be able to do some pretty powerful things. Sometime in the spring, I believe, of last year, happy. Happy. My spirit's already heavy. There you go. Sometime in the spring of last year, we came to you about a a plan called Forward. How many remember that? How many were here that day when we voted as a church to move forward and do some things to our property as we made room? I want to give you a report on that today. Since we had that first meeting to date, we have, number one, renovated and expanded our children's sanctuary and classroom area. Can we give God thanks for that? How many... How many have ever been back there to see what your baby worship in? Isn't it pretty incredible what's happened? We've renovated and expanded our nursery seats and our nursery rooms. How many are thankful for what the Lord's given us and done in the sanctuary here? We almost doubled, this is crazy, but we almost doubled the, 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 the seating of our sanctuary. And it doesn't, you can't really tell it, but the sanctuary is much deeper now than when we started and we cut the stage back some and we made room for as many precious families as we can. Not only have we re- renovated and expanded the main sanctuary, we've updated our sound lighting how many know it sounds and looks pretty incredible in here, right? Can we thank God for His blessing? This is something that happens when you begin to renovate, you start finding stuff that you didn't know you had problems with, but this building had a massive electrical issue I mean there was nothing in code and when we started tearing stuff out we found out how messed up this thing was and so I am grateful that we were able to completely renovate and restore our power we had a dirty power, it's called dirty power it's not a good situation and we couldn't figure out why we kept losing lights and losing speakers and losing electronics it's because we had a power problem and we were grateful that we found it and how many are thankful that God helped us to fix that so we give God praise for that and the Re- Redemption Gymnasium, how many been in the gym? Anybody been in the Some of you were like, we were there 16 weeks. How could we ever forget? <laughs> we renovated the gymnasium. And uh, it's pretty amazing to see Christmas share in the gymnasium this year. A number of schools use that gymnasium on a weekly basis for their practices. Different groups come in. And then, of course, our youth group and different events that we have going on. It's a very used place. And it's just right behind us. For those you've never seen, it's right behind us on the next block over the Redemption Gymnasium and finally we added an additional parking lot out on the side. All this is in preparation for the future. I feel like God spoke to us and the entire church voted unanimously which is amazing. We felt like God was saying prepare for the future. But today, I don't think it was coincidence. I think it was just an affirmation. Not that I needed this kind of affirmation. But I'm reminded because of the pain that happened this, pain that was inflicted this past week on our country, I'm reminded the importance of investing into sons and daughters. So today, we're gonna turn our attention, not to the sanctuary, not to parking lots, not to gyms, not to electrical systems, we've done all that. Today we're gonna turn our our eyes to a generation of sons and daughters. And I want you to watch this quick video, it's gonna take just two minutes, and then I'm going to come back with the most important thing I've announced in a long time in this church. And if you leave, you're going to miss it. And I don't want you to miss it. So, watch this video and receive what God is putting on our hearts. Hey, RTTN Church family. Listen, we have been in an amazing season of expansion here on our campus. As you can see, our sanctuary has been renovated. We just came out of the gym, gymnasium, which has been renovated. We renovated our children's space, added new parking lots. The Lord's been good to us as we prepare for what God is going to do in our future. But our expansion has not stopped. It's now time for our church to turn our attention to our sons and daughters. Listen, we believe God has something very special and powerful in store for the young ladies and young men of our church and of this community. And because of that, we're gonna turn our hearts toward our youth building as we continue our expansion here at Redemption to the Nation's Church. As you can see, our youth building has been demoed and is simply awaiting the financial resources to begin the renovation, putting it back together so that all of our sons and daughters have a place to call their own. Listen, this building is going to be outfitted so that it can provide a place for tutoring, place for our young people to hang out after school they'll have a sanctuary in that in that building breakout classrooms uh, a cafeteria a place to eat a small kitchen area to provide snacks for them when they're here it's going to be an amazing place it'll be a place that's inviting a place that these sons and daughters of this house and of this city will want to hang out at a place they can call their own now this is where I need you to help me Today, I want to announce that on March 11th, we are going to be receiving for the first time ever an offering that will be 100% dedicated to the building and the renovation of this new youth building. I am calling on and challenging every single person in our church family, from our children, from our young people, our youth group, our mothers and fathers, grandmas and grandpas. Listen, if you believe in the young people of this house and in the youth of this city, We're going to do everything we can over the next several weeks to prepare the greatest offering we have ever brought to the Lord so that those dollars can be every single dollar directed to the renovation and the expansion of that youth building. I'm very excited because I've seen the growth in our young people, Pastor Quantel, Pastor Josh, Kaylee and Lisa, they have a vision for this. We, We believe God is calling us to make a difference in this community. and We have the building, we have the space, now we just have to put the dream into reality, and we need you to do that. So here's what I'm asking you to do over the next several weeks. I'm asking you to get the greatest offering, the largest offering we have ever given. I want us to get ready to give it on March 11th. Every single penny of that offering is going to be used for the $1.3 million renovation of our youth building. When we get through, we will have a place right in the heart of this city your sons and daughters and for the sons and daughters of this community to find a a place of safety, a place of spiritual wholeness, a place where they can find Jesus, and a place where our sons and daughters can be welcomed and just experience life together in the presence of the Lord. Listen, this is how we're going to move forward together. We've got a great sanctuary. Our children's facilities have been renovated. Our parking's been renovated. Our gymnasium's been renovated. God's blessed us, but now it's time to turn our attention to the one of the most important generations on the earth right now, and that's our young sons and daughters. We believe in them, I believe our church believes in them, and on March 11th, we're going to give every single person an opportunity to bring an offering. I believe it's gonna be the biggest offering that we've ever received in one offering at the Redemption to the Nations Church in its history. Do whatever you can. Sell whatever you can. I want you to get the greatest seed in your hand for our sons and daughters because we believe that God has an amazing thing in store for them and it's planted right here in this campus in the heart of this city. March 11th, it's a forward offering. We're moving forward together. Every generation is gonna participate as we continue to expand on this campus and make room for the harvest that God has for us. I love you, RTTN family. The best is still yet to come, and I can't wait to see what God is going to do through you on March 11th. God bless. Hallelujah. Stand with me. lights please turn the lights up please so to date, we have invested in all these renovations that have already been done 4.5 million dollars can we thank God that we've been able to do that, amen and I told you that God was gracious to us and uh, we have a construction line that has been opened, and they have been, God has just been generous. We've been blessed, but we're not going to borrow another dime. We're going to do this phase of the project with cash, and we're going to do it debt-free. And here's what I came, here's what I came to announce. So, so we have $4.5 million that we have borrowed and used to renovate all that we have. And today, I'm announcing on March 11th, we're going to receive an offering to launch the building and renovation of our new youth building. And here's the the God thing. God has blessed us with a matching grant. Every dollar that we raise for the youth building will remove a dollar of debt from the $4.5 million that we have. Somebody ought to help me praise God right there. So, if we raise a... Devin leaned over to me when I sat down. She said, we need to believe God for a million dollars on March 11th. Now, that's a crazy amount of money. But God's fixing to bless us. I'm asking you to make this a matter of prayer and expectation over the next several weeks. I have asked the Lord to supernaturally bless you and your family with the greatest seed that you've ever given at any one time to this church. That's a lot of asking because some of you have given very sacrificially but I'm asking for the sake of our. if I were asking this for me or something else I wouldn't ask it but I'm not asking it for me and I'm not asking it for anything else except a place for this generation of sons and daughters to find God a place where mothers and fathers can go over there and love on some people that don't know they're loved. So on March 11th, I'm asking you to prepare between now and then the greatest offering you've ever given and listen This is what's crazy and amazing But the matching the matching grant has a window of a year So we're gonna believe to take up God we're gonna believe God to take up a million dollars on March 11th But there's no limit if we raise two million dollars in one year it will be matched back. You say, what will we do with the other 700,000? We'll invest it. See, I got a vision right there where we just put that church parking lot. One day we're gonna have a children's building right there. And it's gonna have a glass front on it. And when people drive down Bailey Avenue, they're gonna see red and yellow and white and black and rich and poor kids playing on a playground together right there on that parking lot. I believe that's gonna happen. It's gonna take some money, but lack is not our problem. Now you say, Pastor, I I don't have anything to give. You don't today, but March 11th is a month away. And my prayer for you between now and March 11th is that God puts the greatest offering you've ever been able to give into your hands. When he blesses you, don't go buy an Apple HomePod. Whatever that new thing is. Whatever it is. I don't care what it is. It's the mark of the beast. Don't go buy that. Don't, listen, you're going to be blessed in a way to, to get yourself something later. This is, this is, I'm asking God and you're going to ask God for seed. Because the Bible said to give seed to the sower. Between now and March 11th, we're going to believe God for a supernatural seed. Every dollar we give for the next year is doubled. Every dollar that you give to forward is doubled. If we raise $3 million, we get six, and we erase all our debt i think that's amazing i think that's amazing i am asking you to engage with me in this open door of opportunity that god's blessed us with and let's provide for this generation a place it's right behind us if you've never been in the building i'm going to arrange on a sunday we got to make sure everything is safe I wanted to do it today, but there's so much stuff over there you could trip and I don't want nobody to get hurt. But the building is right behind the church. It is literally right through those walls on the the road behind us, right by the sanctuary. And we're going to renovate it thousands of square feet for our sons and daughters, for this community, for our sons and daughters in this church. We're going to have tutoring and a place to make a difference. And my prayer is that somewhere in all that, someone the enemy thought he would destroy and used to destroy other lives my prayer is God will help us to intercept that assignment and we'll see the peace of God and the love of Jesus demonstrated in this community how many are with me say amen so how many are going to listen all I need you to do is this believe and keep your hand open this next three weeks, four weeks how many will believe with me and keep their hand open Hand open, what do you mean? Open to God. And when God puts it in there, know that it's a seed. Don't eat the seed. Hold on to it. And on March 11th, let us see what God would do with all of our hearts of obedience. If you're with me, say amen.